right. The Bereans searched the scriptures to find out if what the people were saying was true. Doctrine divides as it should to separate right from wrong. If you don't enjoy the Bible or talking about the Bible, this podcast isn't for you. <laughs> no. more donuts along with my suspicious looking guest huge job belly <laughs> you like that i did I I, you, you did i like that one i'm, I'm gonna write. next next week next week you're going to be the expositional cowboy ricochet <laughs> <laughs> that's too good oh yes oh, that is too good let me tell you what we got going We're going to talk Philadelphia Eagles, believers on the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. Legitimate believers, not, 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 uh, weak, weak willed believers, uh, doing some stuff there on the Philadelphia Eagles. I got to be honest. I mean, I, I I was kind of surprised. Um, and I owe, I owe some NFL fans an apology, which will be coming up shortly. Then we're going to talk about, we're going to be talking about, uh, sharing the gospel and how you actually need to share the gospel. <laughs> Sounds weird, but I'll explain what I mean. Then we have a special episode where we are talking about question evolution day. Mm-hmm. Question evolution day. That's, That's right. right. We have question evolution day. We have uh, an awesome interview that Jeff did with, with the guests. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about what is question evolution day. Yeah. How you can celebrate question, question evolution day. And uh, how you can win some free stuff. Oh, free stuff. yeah, some good free so, stuff. That's some right. Stuff. So deal. let me start off. Let me start off with an apology. So I, I really did not like the NFL. You know, I mean, I was, I, I mean, I probably even said it on the podcast. You know, I was like, I'm just done with the NFL. And I, and I, I, after seeing what's going on with the Eagles and seeing some mature believers doing what mature believers do. I, though there's still lots of stuff I don't like about the NFL. I I will admit that there are believers doing some good things there in the NFL. And, um, I, I think we, as believers, uh, it's okay for us to root for other believers and we should root for other believers, especially, especially believers who legitimately don't care whether they win the Super Bowl or not. And then they do win the Super Bowl. They're more, 
just just embarrassed Brady, which was awesome. I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> and, and did it in such a way, and, and they, they're doing such a thing. It's amazing. So I, I was doing some research on Nick Foles. I heard about how he was a believer. And I was like, okay, you know, he's a believer. Every, Justin Bieber is a believer. So, mm-hmm. you know, I was just kind of thinking, all right, well, let's see what this, what this dude's about. Dude's legit. He's getting his master's degree from Liberty. Did you find out what in what what's his what's his uh, study his course of study? I, I, he he wanted to be a youth pastor, so so, so it was pastoral. So it was pastoral, and I heard him I heard him give a devotional um, on what is it Second Corinthians nine or no Second Corinthians twelve nine. My grace is sufficient for you, and he was talking about how how he was really depressed with his football career and how he just realized that he just needed to find his fulfillment in Christ. Wow. It was just like, what? And then uh, Carson Wentz. Okay, now I like Wentz anyways. He's, mm-hmm. he's from North Dakota. Dakota. The Bisons. <laughs> Love that team. Love that team. That dude, so he grew up in a Christian household, but he, by his own admission, he felt that his works could have got him to heaven. And he was sitting there on the first day of practice, and apparently one of the senior quarterbacks came over to him while he was stretching and said, hey, uh, do you read your Bible? And Carson was like, this is football practice. What are you talking about? What, why, why are we talking about the Bible? Well, apparently he then started reading his Bible every day, came to realize the real gospel, and he now goes around and preaches. And I heard his sermon on uh, where he was talking about Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. And about how salvation is through Christ alone, through faith alone, and that works are flowing from uh, our faith, and and how faith you can't have works plus faith, and, and how that's completely opposite of how he thought and how you should think. Then then he goes to the Eagles, right? And he's there at the Eagles, and not only is he just a great quarterback and a great natural born leader, but then apparently his lifestyle was so radically different that guys like Zach Ertz, the mm-hmm. tight end, that big behemoth of a man. Yeah. That dude saw it and said, I want to know what that guy has. Last year he was baptized. <laughs> That's awesome. He was talking, he was talking, they, they were asking about what Christ means to him before the Super Bowl. What does Christ mean to you? What does your faith mean to you? And he said, well, you know, I'm just trying to become before I was so concerned with being the best football player. Now I'm just trying to become a godly husband and be like Christ. That's awesome. They have they have a YouTube video of five Eagles players getting baptized before uh, a playoff game. That's it's just awesome. like what what is going on here? And there's coaches that are leading Bible studies, players that are reading, leading Bible studies. They're praying for each other in the locker room. Yeah, they, and, yeah. One yeah. of the I forget who they were interviewing. I want to say it was a, a JIA or some somebody, and he was he was talking about the Christian atmosphere within the team just the atmosphere that they've created there and in the eagles organization to to have that that's that's pretty amazing i to to have yeah it is amazing and then i found out that that doug peterson the head coach uh so only a couple years ago what he was coaching high school ball right Mm -hmm. yeah you know you know where he was coaching a baptist high school So like like this whole team like I mean they they're legit too I yeah. and, um man I I was really I was pleasantly yeah. surprised and listening to these guys and um they're they're mod they they sound like they sound like 
guys that we would talk to, right? Like guys mm-hmm. we hang out with and they're like, yeah, our whole life's about discipleship and we're trying to disciple other guys on the team. And it's like, what? That sounds like church. Right. Like, like they, they're not even talking about football. Like football, like to them, football's the arena to glorify God. Like that's yeah. what they said. Yeah. Like half the defense are believers. And they're just like, no, this is God. We're playing for the Lord. And, you know, we just happen to play in Philadelphia, the greatest sports city in the world. That's what they said. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's so awesome. I was just so pleasantly surprised. And then praise the Lord that they got a chance to win the Super Bowl. And, oh, yeah. And Nick Foles. What a great game. Oh. What a great game. But then but then afterwards, Nick Foles took the opportunity to talk about the Lord. And, yep. I mean, the whole, the whole well, time so, after. So did yeah. the coach. I mean, that was the first thing he, he said, too. I mean, and, uh, you know, he got up there and he said the first thing, first and foremost, and he said it very clear. He wasn't rushed. He said, yeah. he goes, I give all the glory to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for all of this and just wanted to let people know. And then it was just, it was heartfelt and sincere. Yeah. And you could just kind of see it. I mean, you can kind of tell with some of those some of those guys it's it's pretty neat so i enjoyed watching so, that so we we're and i now, was rooting for him before i knew all of that stuff i was i, I was pulling yeah. <laughs> yeah well and and we at the amaze project podcast are making an official appeal if you need eagles philadelphia eagles if you need uh uh chaplains let jeff and i know yeah yeah we'll we'll be chaplains i'll, I'll be the philadelphia eagles chaplain right uh i'll do that i'll yeah I'll suffer I'll, for Jesus. I'll be an eagle. <laughs> Remember that movie, Angels in the Outfield? Yeah. <laughs> Expositor behind the pulpit. That, that's the new – that'll be the new sign. <laughs> See an expositor behind a pulpit. Open the book. All right. So, Jeff, you know how, how Christians, we try to be really innovative, and, and a lot of times it's really corny. And uh, there's this one ministry, and they do these these soup these alternative halftime shows. Okay, yeah. Uh, and and there's this one. Have you ever heard of Sports Spectrum? It's a magazine. Uh, not until you, not until you mentioned. Yeah, it just too. a couple of minutes ago. Yeah. Okay, so it's it's like this magazine, and it highlights Christian athletes who are really outspoken for their faith. Yeah. So there for a long time, it was just it was it could have just been called Sports Spectrum. Tebow magazine. Uh, uh, Tebow was on there all the time. Yeah. As he should be. Um, well, anyways, um, they did this, uh, they, they did this, this outreach video for the Super Bowl, and uh, it was primarily the Philadelphia Eagles, right? Because <laughs> they're in the Super Bowl. Right. Primarily the Philadelphia Eagles. And they, they did this thing, and um, let me ask you this. Have you ever heard uh, a guy come in and share the gospel and, and you felt like it was probably more f- geared towards believers yeah. than it was non-believers? Have you ever heard that? Yeah. Like it, it yeah. Uh, like he doesn't really tell about the gospel, but he's, he's saying a lot of good things for believers to kind of motivate yeah. them kind of, but it's not really a gospel presentation. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So, 
what do you feel like, like what goes through your mind in the midst of that? Like you're listening to this and, and, and it's under the guise of outreach, but you're hearing all of this sanctification talk. Yeah. What, what, what does your mind do? Like, I, like what, what's going on inside your head? Well, I've got two thoughts. The first thought I have is this guy doesn't understand the gospel. That's number one. It's, okay. it's, he, he, he doesn't, he doesn't get what the gospel is. He's just kind of following along. And so there's a whole train that goes with that of, you know, how he got to where he is. Is he, you know, what did he grow up in the church and just thinks that everybody yeah. thinks, you know, and the other thing is, is, Hey man, share the gospel, you know, get, yeah. you know, tell the truth. I think, I think some people um, are afraid to say the gospel because they're afraid it's going to hurt somebody's feelings. And they're, they're yeah. thinking they're going to win them with honey, um, you know, and draw, you know, do some kind of drawing. And so you get some of those guys, there's a lot of those guys in the Baptist church now that, you know, feel like they're going to win them over by talking about all the glory, the glorifying things, uh, you know, and all the things and the challenging things and what you need to do. And then somehow they're going to come to see that, you know, the depths of their sin and realize that they, they need a savior. I don't, I don't understand the, 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 the thought behind it, but that's kind no, of what they do. Neither do I. I think it's sad. I think it's sad because, you know, we, we just got done doing a series on the difference between the Protestants and Roman Catholics. And the, one of the major distinctions that we brought out, which I think is a good distinction is to always keep justification and sanctification separate mm -hmm. in the sense of in the sense of if, if you're talking about salvation talk about the gospel and don't don't try to make that as clear as possible and then talk about sanctification and of course they're tied together we're not denying that and and you need to talk about how they're tied together and and i'm not even opposed to say this is what a christian looks like mm -hmm. and if you're not this you might not be a christian right and, but here you know here's the gospel Here's the gospel truth. Right. But, but like, that's such an important thing. And in my mind, in my mind, I'm kind of like with you, like, just share the gospel, man. Just mm -hmm. talk about the gospel. Say, this is the gospel. And then this is the life that's supposed to come from the gospel. You could say everything that you're saying, but just include the gospel. Yeah. But then, but then the second thing is there's just a lot of frustration because on the one hand, they're saying good things that I can't disagree with. But on the other hand, they're saying a whole bunch of stuff out of context that I can't disagree with. So, like, there's, like, this you, humongous yeah, frustration. Can disagree with, yeah. It's, it's kind of like – so anytime then you, like, talk to somebody and they're like, well, what would you think? And just say, well, it was, it, it was good, but there's something missing. And they go, well, you're just being hypocritical and you're being super, you know – you're just critiquing somebody because you just like to critique and that's not the case. It's right. this, I don't know how to articulate that, that struggle inside of my soul. Cause it's like, yeah, I agree, but I disagree. And I, and I hate, I hate that. I, I hate that. And I think it does a great disservice. Well, and I think, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Cause it confuses the gospel. Is the yeah. gospel believe in Christ or is it believe in Christ and do all this other stuff or is it do all this other stuff? And that equals believe in Christ. What are you saying? Right. Right. Kind of like what we talked about last week, but yeah. Yeah. yeah no. And I think too, that some, uh, sometimes guys will, will get up there and when they're trying to share, they say, well, I, you know, I got a, I got people here that might be believers and I don't want to, I don't want to offend them. I thinking that they're not believers. So I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to be hard on the gospel, but I want to tell them these other things. Well, I want to encourage those people. If you've ever been in that situation, anybody who's watching or listening or anything, um, you know, share the gospel anyway. It yeah. never hurts 
for a Christian to hear the gospel. We need to continue to hear because we need to continue to know how to share it. We need to continue to hear that story. It needs to continue to bring joy into our hearts and our lives. You know, uh, if we've been, you know, if we've heard it, that should be a joyous thing for us to hear the gospel over and over again. So don't, uh, don't sugarcoat it or or water it down because you think you might offend somebody that is a believer that, you know, thinking that they, you know, get tired of hearing it. If they get tired of hearing it, they probably need to hear it anyway. You know what I mean? They probably need to hear it. Yeah, they're probably not fit for heaven. And, and I will yeah. admit, let me let me admit this. Uh, uh, you know, I probably could share the gospel more than what I do in my own sermons. Um, you know, I was thinking back as I was writing the notes for this this podcast. I, I think back to, uh, you know, the past couple months of my sermons and thought, you know, what? there could have been a more, more of a gospel presence. I don't think it's been devoid of the gospel. I, I've said gospel truths. I, I've shared the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm in a, I'm in an interesting transition anyways, but I, I always thought, you know what, I could probably, I probably should share the gospel more than what I do. And I guess, I guess every preacher could, right? Like every sure. preacher could talk about the gospel more. Um, and I think that was helpful, but, but what, the reason I say that is because the Philadelphia Eagles now granted it was all edited. So it's really difficult to say this is what they yeah. really were saying. Yeah. But they had a really great message of seek, surrender, and serve. But it was really geared towards believers, like keep on seeking the Lord. That was yeah. a message they kept on saying. Keep on seeking the Lord and then surrender. Stop stop going for your own goals. Mm-hmm. Turn from what you want, what the flesh wants and what the spirit wants. Right. And then serve God. And, uh, you know, do things, do things in, in the circumstances that you're at. And I thought that's really good for believers, but on believers that does nothing for them because yeah. the one thing that was very absent from their gospel presentation was the actual gospel. Yeah. You know, like there was no talk about the sinfulness of man, mm-hmm. pretty big issue. Yeah. Nothing about the holiness of God, pretty big issue. Yeah. Nothing about Jesus dying on the cross for their sins. Nothing, nothing about belief in Christ, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And mm. that be saved. Nothing, nothing of that, you know, nothing of the, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm uh, hoping that some of that kind of got edited out. I don't know. I didn't see it, but you know, you know, I, I think, I think it is, I think it did. And who knows, who knows, yeah. uh, you know, video editing and I know video editing and, and stuff like that gets edited out all the time. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt listening to some of their stuff that mm-hmm. they, they, they talked about the cross, but I guess, I guess my advice would be to anyone who ever gets a chance to share the gospel, actually share the gospel, <laughs> you know, like, like, you know, for us, for us on the podcast, you know, when we, when we say you want to check out somebody's gospel presentation, we have constantly said, well, you need to go to first Corinthians 15. First Corinthians 15, one through four is the guidelines. And, and this is, this is the bare minimum that needs to be in, in a gospel presentation. And this is what it is. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel, which I preach to you, which also you received in which you also stand, by which also you are saved. If you hold fast the word, which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. For I deliver to you as of first importance what I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Okay, so that's the gospel. And we talked about 
we, we, we say, we'll see in the first two verses, it talks about the true nature of saving faith. That saving faith is, one, listening to the message. It is taking the message as your own and receiving it and applying it to yourself. There's a sense of standing in the gospel that it, it you know, I am completely trusting in this message and, and no other message. Uh, and, and I'm holding on, I'm clinging to Christ. Uh, you know, it's kind of like the arms of faith are clinging to Christ and clinging to him alone, forsaking all other means and methods of salvation. And what am I believing? Well, I'm believing that Christ died for me. Who's a sinner. He died for our sins. He took our place and that he was buried and he rose again on the third day. And I'm trusting him as my savior. That, that's, that's the whole point of the gospel is trusting Jesus Christ as your savior, forsaking all other saviors, forsaking all other methods. It's faith alone in Christ alone. That's the gospel. And so when you're listening to somebody who's giving a gospel presentation, th this passage should be a great guide for you to say, well, did they say this? Did they say that? Did they say this? And, and, and I'll be honest with you. It becomes pretty clear, at least, at least I think if anybody has any discernment. It becomes pretty clear when somebody leaves this formula of talking about the true nature of saving faith and, and the components of the gospel. Like I've even heard guys who I know know the gospel say things and you just go, ah, ah, why, why'd you say that? Why, why'd you say that? Um, I don't know, Jeff, what do you think? I, I mean, I, I mean, have you ever heard that where a guy who should know better says something and, and you wince. Oh yeah. I mean that, uh, I mean that probably happens, you know, it happens to everybody. I mean, yeah. I'm, I know I've, I've, I've said some things that afterwards I was like, ah, I didn't yeah. mean it like that. That's not what I meant. You know, I mean, I, I think that's one of those things where you, you do have to be a little bit careful and look at the, a body of work instead of just right. one page out of it. That's um, very true. Uh, so, but I think, you know, we need to encourage people to, we need to let people know that it's, it's okay to, to, to share that gospel and to yeah. be a part, you know, to make sure that it is, it is solid, you know, use this formula that's found in scripture, you know, use that method that, that you have that's available to you to, to be able yeah. to do that. So, yeah, and clarity, clarity, clarity. clarity. If, if there is one message that we have to be absolutely clear on, it is, it is the gospel. Yeah. We, I could be vague in eschatology, and though that's probably still wrong because the Bible you know, says certain things, and I shouldn't go against what the Scripture says, I think there's a little bit more leeway there because eschatology has a certain level of vagueness to it. Right. But the gospel, the, the, this message, this of what Paul says is the first importance. Yes. Man, we have to be clear. We have to be crystal yep. clear, and we can't say things that sound good to a Christian ear, you know, to the to the people around us, and right. go, well, you know, there's somebody in the audience, and they really like the word repentance, and so I'm going to say something, and and misuse repentance. Like I've heard, yeah. I've even heard guys who should know better say, well, you need to repent so that you prepare your heart to believe wrong, 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 wrong. That, that is not the gospel. <laughs> Repentance is part of saving faith, right? right? I mean, that's what it is. It's kind of like two sides of one coin right. or, you know, or, or some people have said, um, belief is just like some sort of like intellectual raising of the hand. Like, yeah, I believe there was a guy that Jesus and he exists and he died. Yeah. No, 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 no. Um, 
Yeah, that, that's that's so wrong. Those two yeah. polar opposites are so wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so clarity in the gospel, clarity, yeah. clarity, clarity. You know, uh, and 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 simplicity in the gospel too. Don't try yeah. to make it more complicated than it is. I mean, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to get you know uh, down into you know the the deep depths. I mean, it is a simple presentation. I mean, you, okay. you start getting, you start complicating yourself and you lose your, you lose the people you're trying to share the gospel with and they're going to walk away with their eyes crossed and not knowing what in the world you said, just, just share the simple gospel. Yep. Can't go wrong with that. You cannot. It's not, it's not rocket surgery. Not rocket surgery. <laughs> <laughs> we got to do that again. We got to do the church signs again. Cause I, I saw another one and uh, I thought it was, I thought it was clever. Nice. It said, it said, um, our church loves hurting people. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what they were trying to say, you know, right, like, we, right. we, we love on we, hurting people. Right. Exactly. Right. We love on hurting people. <laughs> yeah. But, but they, that's not what they said. But the way they worked it, we love hurting people. Oh, yep. Not going to that church. Was that the first masochist <laughs> church of, or sadist church of <laughs> the first, Oregon? It was the first Corinthians church. No, I'm kidding. Uh-huh. Uh, all right. So we here at the Emmaus Project podcast, this is, I think, what, the third year? Second or third year that we've we've done this, yeah. Where we have we, we're part of a holiday, and we want it to become an actual recognized holiday on the calendar that that people that print calendars put on their calendar, and it is question, question evolution. evolution day. And I believe it's what February twelfth, right? Yeah, February twelfth, question evolution right. day. Question Evolution Day, and we're trying to make it big. We're yeah. trying. We're trying to get everybody involved. We're trying to get churches involved. We're we're, we're even trying to come up with meals and, yeah. and traditions, which is my favorite part of every holiday. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's just an excuse for Jeff and I to eat a whole bunch of bacon. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and and when our children say, "Why are we eating so much bacon?" We slap them and say, you should never ask why are we eating so much bacon. <laughs> because it's bacon. Because it's bacon. Do I need a reason to eat this much bacon? No. Um, I, I I like the idea of bacon because, you know, you have the Nebraska man. Uh, according to <laughs> right? They have all these, these missing links. Missing links. Links. I think my science teacher was a missing link. Um, he smelled like a monkey, um, but there was this missing link that they found and it was in Nebraska, which the fact that they found anything in Nebraska amazes me. Uh, but it was, but, it, but they found out that it was a, it was a pig's tooth. They found a pig's tooth, right? This is Nebraska yeah. bad. So I like eating bacon. And when our children ask, why do we eat bacon? Go, well, because evolutionists willfully lied to us saying, yeah. we found the missing link in Nebraska. Yeah. And it's a pig's tooth. It's a pig's tooth. Well, uh, along along with that, evolution has a lot of uh, a, a lot of holes in it, and has a lot of Achilles heels. And that's actually one of the giveaways that we're going to do uh, for 
uh, question Evolution Day. We have Evolution's Achilles Heels, um, written um, uh, in part, well, uh, edited by Dr. Robert Carter, written by a lot of in extremely intelligent men. Dr. Robert Carter uh, has a chapter in here. Um, it, it goes into depths on uh, the different uh, flaws, scientific fallacies, um, errors, and it is a warts and all look at uh, evolution. Um, and, and all it is. And so we're going to be giving that book away along with the companion DVD, uh, uh, Evolution's Achilles Heels. And so we're going to give that away to uh, uh, one of the random people who will leave a comment um, uh, about Question Evolution Day uh, on right. this podcast. And so those gifts will be yours and we'll select that at random and send those out to you. Um, had a great time doing the interview with Dr. Robert Carter, man, nice. a creation ministry, uh, uh, I'm sorry, creation ministries, international and creation.com. Those guys, um, are super intelligent and they know their stuff. I mean, they know their stuff. And one of the things you'll see it when we talk about it on here is, uh, they have a section on the website of, um, arguments they they suggest you don't use, you know, a lot of things. Yeah. So, I mean, they've got a little bit of everything. So we're going to talk about a little bit of that, uh, on this interview. So, uh, sit back and get ready to, to, to hear some really, really interesting stuff. And we're going to talk about some fun stuff on this interview, uh, that Caleb and I will, will, uh, hit on just a little bit. Um, it goes on the other side of evolution, just crazy. So, uh, watch this. All right. Well, welcome, and I'm uh, uh, so excited to have um, Dr. Robert Carter from uh, the Creation uh, Ministries International here uh, with us on the Emmaus Project podcast today. Dr. Carter, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Uh, you're welcome. Hey, everybody. Hey. <laughs> All right. So tell us a little bit about uh, CMI uh, and your role there. What um, what kind of things do you guys do? Um, what How did you get involved in it, that kind of thing? Uh, CMI, Creation Ministries International. We are about 40 years old. Uh, We've got uh, offices in seven countries, and we've got 25 or 30 speakers traveling around the world. In fact, we're going to visit about uh, 12 or 1,300 churches this year alone in various countries around the world. Uh, We host creation.com. We write a lot of books. We produce movies and DVDs, uh, very active in in the creation scene. Very good. Now, how did you get involved with CMI? Um, I got involved in the ground floor with our U- new U.S. office. I was living in Atlanta. I just gotten my Ph.D. I was just trolling around the Internet, and I ran into Creation Ministries, and I said, they have an office in Atlanta? <laughs> I know they had a P.O. box in Atlanta, and they had just filed their articles of incorporation. And when I sent them an email, Carl Whelan called me up from Australia a couple of days later at, in the middle of the night because, you know, it's daytime for them. And, and he said, Ph.D.s don't grow on trees. I want to talk. <laughs> and I ended up being the first person from the outside they hired for the U.S. office. It was really, really a delight. I couldn't believe that happened. Yeah. And your PhD is in, is it marine biology? Is that what your PhD is in? It's in marine biology with the subfield of coral reef ecology. Oh, wow. But I ended up in the genetics lab and I got my degree sequencing DNA from corals. Oh, wow. And so when I was finished, I went to the human genome page and hit download. And so my work in genetics of corals, I just transitioned that into human genome work. And I've been working on that since 2004. Wow. Wow. So what, what drew you to this type of ministry? What was it that, um, why was it this important to you? 
Well, I knew how important creationism, I don't like that word very much, but I don't know what else to say. Biblical <laughs> creation would be like, I know how important that was for my faith when I was a young man. Mm-hmm. Um, being a logical person, I don't like holding opposing viewpoints in my brain at the same time. There's a couple that you're kind of forced to, to, to do because you realize you can't solve certain puzzles. Mm-hmm. But this puzzle of evolution, age of the earth, Genesis, which is true, that was a dichotomy. It was this or that. Oh, wow. So I was struggling. I was struggling a lot. And I realized that, uh, at least for me, even though I tried to shove millions of years into Genesis and I tried every way you can imagine, I mean, I didn't know the names back then. I thought I was being real smart. I tried theistic evolution. I tried day age theory. I tried gap theory. And I kept on running up against a brick wall. Um, And then one day I was about 20-ish years old. I said, all right, Rob, you got to decide one way or the other. And happily, I had been exposed to creation and I, I went to a creation meeting in, in, uh, in Atlanta, my like, sophomore year in college. And I remember saying, I don't believe this guy, but I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt and I'm going to study. And I think I studied myself into Christianity from that point. <laughs> That's amazing. That is amazing. So why is it important? I mean, what you guys do is, uh, is phenomenal, but why is it important for the church? Why do you feel like it's important for um, the, the everyday church to, to learn some of these things? I, I kind of went through uh, your book, which we're going to be giving away um, awesome. as a giveaway. It's awesome. We got the companion DVD to go with it. Um, it's going be given away as a prize uh, for one of our listeners and i'm telling you that's some there's some really heavy stuff in there i mean it it's no whole bars why is it important for the church to learn this material why would i put three years into my life making a book and a dvd <laughs> and literally there was all yeah. night sessions in the editing room oh. where we're trying to get the sound to match a specific frame in the movie. No, no, it's gotta be that frame right there. And, <laughs> oh, that was painstaking. Uh, and in the end, we, we produce a great product. Our, our, our movies now two different uh, has won two different awards at major Christian film festivals. Um, Tickle pink. I couldn't believe it. in fact, we last summer we cracked into the top 50 of Amazon documentaries. Wow. I couldn't believe it. I was yeah. like, what? That's a three-year-old product. Um, the reason I do that is because I understand that for a lot of people, not everybody, but a lot of people, um, creation evolution is a make it or break issue as far as their trust of the Bible, their beliefs in the Bible, Mm. uh, Christianity and things like that. If you talk to someone on the street, I mean, there's all sorts of reasons for rejecting Christianity, tons as a Christian, you know, we believe sin is a reason why people reject Christ. Fine. But what's the excuse? I'm guessing if you ask someone, why are you not a Christian? Probably eight times out of 10, something about evolution is going to pop up. You know, oh, we came from monkeys millions of years ago. None Adam and Eve garbage. What are you talking about? Or, or, you know, starlight and time or radiometric dating or those sort of things are common. And so therefore what we're doing at CMI is we're trying to answer those questions in Christians' minds. Because we found out that Christians who have those basic questions, they can handle them. It, the Christians who can basically handle those simple questions are much more likely to talk to, about their faith with other people. Mm. I know if I'm talking to someone, I'm usually terrified. He might ask me that question. What's the answer to that question? Well, happily now, I've got a pretty good handle on most questions. Not all of them, but most of them. Most, at least the common ones. 
Yeah, I noticed on the website you have um, uh, there are some uh, or some arguments that you suggest that we don't use, and then there are some arguments that are kind of debatable. Um, I thought that was I thought that was fantastic because I think for the average Christian, for the average churchgoer, they seem to want to latch on to. Um, certain things that sound really good, but what you guys have done and what I, what I gathered from your book is you, you kind of give a warts and all approach to, uh, everything, you know, everything concerning, um, uh, evolution creation and why and breaking it down to what the, what the real issue is. So what, um, what would you say outside of, outside of some of the obvious objections to, um, you know, the evolution issue or whatever, what is the biggest struggle in the church um, in educating their people towards a biblical creation model? Because I know that there are some that are trying in the church to um, marry the two, like you were saying before, trying to do the gap theory and some of those things. What are, what are some of the struggles that, that they have and how can, how can resources like this, how can that help them? Backing up a step. First of all, sure. Uh, that page is, we call it the don't use page. Arguments we think a creationist should not use. Yeah. And some of my favorite examples of the past are now on that that list. It's just, it's science. Science doesn't always pan out. God, oh, this is a great idea. And, oh, that wasn't such a good idea. So I had to put it on the list. Um, if you go to creation.com, type in don't use in a little search box or mm-hmm. type in don't underline use, that will pop right up. Um, those are important things for us. Uh, now, the second part of this, by the way, uh, our sound booth is right next to the warehouse, and uh, it's 4 o'clock, so the guy in the warehouse just shut the big roll-up door. Oh, That's what it's all, like, fine. Nope, it's right, fine. I can hear it loud. You can't hear it? <laughs> no, uh, no, you're good. Oh, good. good. <laughs> <laughs> At least he's not driving the forklift around going beep, beep, beep. So. <laughs> um, the second part of the question was something about the church, how the church – Yeah, why is it – yeah, why is it um, – you know, why – what – what struggles do you feel like they have, you know, when, when approached with this kind of material? I mean, there's a lot of churches that are using the different theories trying to figure all this out. Why don't you think, or why don't churches do more uh, emphasis on, on actual creation? There, there are a lot of reasons why churches don't emphasize creation. The biggest one, probably actually two big ones, probably most pastors aren't scientists. Mm-hmm. They don't have a lot of exposure to this. They don't know how to handle the material. But two, most seminaries downplay this issue. Mm. I was on a, um, a call-in radio show several years ago. It happened to be have, have a Presbyterian host. It's a very Presbyterian show. And this guy calls in. And he goes, okay, Carter, I hear what you're saying. But how come none of these people agree with you? And he started with Hodges. And he goes, and he rattled off a name like 12 theologians. And I knew all the names and that list was intimidating. And honestly, I didn't have a good answer for him. But what I didn't think was, wait a minute, wait a minute. What about before Hodges? What about Whitfield? What about Jonathan Edwards? What about any one of the people in, in this community that it was pulling from before the time of Charles Darwin? Every single one of them would affirm a literal Adam and Eve, a young age of the earth, um, the fact that God is the creator, that evolution wasn't the creator. So essentially he was saying that the theologians require Charles Darwin to explain the Bible to them. Mm. If you put it that way, that's really uncomfortable. Yeah, that is. Yeah. Um, but it's, 
In fact, I, I reviewed a book um, a couple years ago in a journal of creation. Um, I think it was called the, uh, Searching for the Historical Adam by a, a scholar named Van Duda Ward. And he went through the Reformed tradition and he went through all of these people and what they wrote. And what I realized is with all the famous names that I knew, every one of them working at some university had a conservative person at the same time of equal stature contradicting that guy's views. Mm. And for some reason, everyone forgot about the conservative guy. Not that Bible believers aren't conservative. I meant, you know, long age versus versus right. you know, more of a literal short age guy. Right. And for some reason, history has forgotten about the short age people and they remember the long age people. And it's just really curious. Do you see a resurgence in uh, young earth, uh, short age, as you're talking about? Do you see that uh, a little more of that now in the church than it has been over the past several years? Or? Do I see a resurgence way? in it? Um, not necessarily a resurgence. I think our arguments are getting better over time. Um, but there's an ebb and a flow, and there's always battles. And when you beat one thing down, something else comes up. Yeah. I, I wrote an article in our, in our uh, creation magazine a couple years ago. I called it Slaying Yesterday's Dragons. Mm-hmm. I said, we've got to be careful that we don't keep beating the dead horse. Because once we kill that, we got to stop arguing that because something else is coming up. Mm. And so I think we've killed mechanistic Darwinism and a lot of young professors agree, but they're not turning towards creation. They're turning towards Gaia. This idea called emergent uh, complexity that complexity is woven into the universe. Therefore that's why complex structures appear magically. Mm. Uh, They're appealing to aliens, um, anything other than the God of the Bible. Right. And within the church over the last 10 years, we've seen a huge resurgence in theistic evolution mm-hmm. uh, where it was pretty much dead. Um, basically Francis Collins and his biologos uh, group, they have done a great job promoting their viewpoints. Now I strongly disagree with those viewpoints, uh, but the popularity of what's called theistic evolution, the idea that God used evolution to create, yeah. is actually gaining in popularity within the church. Wow. So yeah. what would, uh, what would you suggest for, for churches to combat this uh, outside of, of holding to the literal word? Um, what, how, how else could a pastor, you know, you said earlier that he's not, you know, pastors typically not scientists, you know, they're, they're basically theologians and they shy away from these issues and they downplay these issues in seminaries. What would be My the next step? My first suggestion would be, hey, pastor, get on creation.com, click on the contact, contact us link, and get us invited to your church. Yeah. Let one of our guys who study this come and address your congregation. We'll bring a whole bunch of books. You know, get out into the audience, and your whole, your whole congregation all at the same time will be more equipped. But two, get on our website and start reading. Our, our, most of our material is not of a highly technical nature. We yeah, we have some really nerdy scientists on staff. We've got some non-nerdy people on staff too, and we feed off each other. Anything that's put up on our website, anything in our in our, in our journal, or anything on our magazine, mm-hmm. um, it goes through several different people of different levels of experience and different areas of expertise to make sure it makes sense. Oh, good. Because it doesn't make any. It doesn't. It does us no good to talk at this level. Yeah got to talk at a level where people can understand. And when we do that, the communication, the, the, this floodgate opens and all this information comes out. And all of a sudden people are sitting there going, wow, that's not what I thought. Oh, that's a lot better than I thought. Oh, the Bible's amazing. Evolution <laughs> really doesn't work. Adam and Eve are true. I mean, the eureka moments are huge. Yeah. When we can communicate effectively. 
Oh, that's good. Now I want to, I want to backtrack a little bit because you kind of opened the door for this and I want to ask about something that's a little more fun and it's a little more of a rabbit trail, but I've recently, I've recently heard about this movement called flat earth. And when, uh, when Paul, <laughs> when, uh, when I was talking to, uh, your colleague there, uh, Paul price, um, he was showing me this and we were, and we were talking about it. And, and honestly, in my mind, I really, I, I could not believe that people in all honesty were, were holding to this and to find out that, that, the, one of the guys has like 120,000 followers on his YouTube channel and, and all of this. It's amazing what people will believe. Can you speak to the, speak to the flat earth thing? What is going on with that? All right. This did not exist four years ago. Essentially, no one in the world believed the earth is flat. Right. A couple people here and there throughout forever have always believed it. But it, it, essentially, no one in the world four years ago has believed it. But then this thing called YouTube (laughs) and certain people producing videos and putting them on YouTube have generated the following. I'm going to say it straight out. It's a cult following. Yeah. The, the flat earth phenomenon is cultic from top to bottom, except a couple of things. If you define what a cult is, usually they have a charismatic leader. Flat Earth's group doesn't have a real charismatic leader. And usually they try to control the money of the people involved. And that's not true here either. (laughs) There's a thing called milieu control. That's control of the information. Cults always restrict the information coming to their people. For the flat earth, though, it's a self-chosen milieu control. It's not like someone's telling you, or don't read this, don't read this. But man, you jump down that rabbit hole. And if you're not prepared to answer the, the type of information, most people don't don't have a scientific background, so they can't address the points these people are making. Mm. But each of those videos, I mean, they're an hour long. You watch 10 videos, you just suck 10 hours of your life away. Like in a, The Princess Bride, I've just taken away one hour of <laughs> one year of your life. Um, You're my new favorite person for using that reference. I love that. That's great. Actually, I just watched that. On, I was on a plane to Seattle last week, and there was nothing I wanted to watch. I was like, oh, The Princess Bride. So I yeah. just watched it last week. Oh, yeah. All right, anyway. Back to the story. Sorry. <laughs> um, if you watch a flat earth video, flat earth supporting video, there is a strategy that they use and it's a good strategy. They don't say anything for a long time. They give you, well, I'm not really saying this or that. However, you know, maybe, and have you ever considered such and such and such and such? And they, they go through it and it might be literally a half of an hour before they actually say something. And when they finally say that one thing that's scientifically testable, it's too late. Your brain's tired. Mm. Normal people can't think through a half an hour of mumbo jumbo with, you know, general sort of sounding sort of things that aren't really clear. Might be this, you know, wonder before they finally say that one thing. And that one thing they say is a lie. Mm. An abs- absolute flat out bold faced lie. And most people can't catch it because it's too late. Mm. You're going to see if you get, oh, I don't recommend it, but if you get on YouTube and start looking at these flat earth websites, they'll, they'll have all these videos. The typical one is look, the sun uh, gets smaller as it's setting. No, it doesn't. The thumb remains about the size of your thumbnail all <laughs> the way down. It does not get smaller because it's not getting any farther away. Right. This around the world, we're spinning under it. 
And yet the reason it looks smaller is because they're using a digital camera. Yeah. Overexposed. <laughs> so it looks when it's overexposed, it looks bigger. And then when it gets down to the, towards the horizon, it's less bright. And so the exposure level gets correct. And all of a sudden you see the circle <laughs> of the sun. How come people can't see that? Because they want to not see it. Yeah. There's um there's another typical one is here's a boat and you think it's gonna go over the horizon. Oh no, no. See if we zoom out, the boat will get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller until you can't see it anymore. It reaches the vanishing point. No, it doesn't, because if you stare at the boat, you'll see that it goes smaller and smaller, all of a sudden it blinks out of existence. Because someone's manipulated the, the video. Yeah. Some internet troll who's lying and knows he's lying has put this out there. And he, he made it obvious, but only slightly obvious. Right. So that people who are incredulous will look at it and say, oh, it's true. Look at that. The boat. No, pay attention. He covered it over. And he did it to deceive people. And it's killing me that this, this phenomenon is spreading. I mean, Shaquille O'Neal, is that true? He said the earth is flat. Does he really believe that? And other famous people are saying, uh-uh, it's not true. In fact, the worst thing, atheists, literally Christian haters, invented the idea the church taught the earth is flat in the 1700s. And it was never true. Christianity has never, ever, ever, ever taught the earth is flat. That whole right. Columbus thing is an urban myth invented by people who hate the Bible. Mm. And we can, we've documented that. We know where it comes from. We have Christian scholarship from the beginning has always taught the earth is round, a globe. Mm. Now, is the earth the center of the universe or does the earth, you know, through gravity go around the sun and the sun go through the heavens? That's a whole nother story. That took centuries. In fact, we didn't even know until the early 1800s that the earth actually did move. We thought it moved back in the 1600s, but we couldn't prove it until somebody uh, measured a star changing position in the heavens between the summer and the winter. It was 10 light years away. You know how much that star moved? 0. 0.00009 degrees. Oh, wow. <laughs> and they measured it in the early 1800s. And then we knew that that star was 10 light years away. If we looked at it in the winter, when we looked at it in the summer, it was slightly different position. It's called parallax. And that was the answer that we needed to show that actually, yeah, the earth does move. Oh, wow. But... That's hard stuff. That's really hard science. Well, you know, and what's funny about the um, the the flat Earth and, and all of that? It, it's not unlike other heresies um, that are entering into the church. It's pervasive. It's intentional. Um, it's yes. uh, yeah. It it has one mean and one purpose and one purpose only, and that's to draw people away uh, from the gospel. And that's that's my opinion. And that, and that's something that we, we and yet so many Christians say the Bible teaches this, therefore mm -hmm. it must be true. Yeah. But the Bible doesn't teach it, or sometime in the last 2,000 years, some Christian scholar would be saying, hey, the Bible teaches the earth is flat. No one ever did. No one ever. Zero. None, never. <laughs> and then you've got the, there are Muslims involved in this. There are New Agers involved in this. There are atheists involved in this. What are you talking about? This is not a biblical proposition here. That's so crazy. Et cetera. If you go to creation.com. And you type in flat earth or uh, refuting flat earth. In fact, if you Google refuting flat earth, my articles will be near the top. Oh, yeah. If you Google refuting geocentrism, my article will be number one. <laughs> oh, I can't believe I did that. Uh, Jonathan <laughs> Sarfati and I, my good friend Jonathan Sarfati, he and I have written some very long articles explaining 
uh, why the earth is not the center of the universe, why the Bible doesn't say so, and scientific evidence. And then another article refuting our detractors. And we wrote another long article about flat earth, which is full of, excuse me, I just, uh, it's good. I just had some food. Okay. <clears throat> um, it's full of um, amazing um, anecdotes and scientific illustrations of why the earth is not flat. It's really fun read, but flat earthers don't read it. Yeah. Flat earthers apparently only watch YouTube videos. Mm. And you can see the cultic nature of this when you start to engage them. Give me an example. They'll give you a bad example. No, that was a bad example. Here's why. They change the subject. Mm. Or they'll go, they'll fire off this whole list of all these supposed things. Even NASA says that all these pictures are faked and this and that. Wait a minute. You gotta you gotta stop them. You gotta hold it one at a time. Let's take this one right here. NASA claims this picture is faked. Who at NASA claimed that? Which picture? Mm-hmm. And they won't know the details. Why? Because they heard from another flat earther that NASA claims that all these pictures are faked. Yeah, that's a broad statement because NASA doesn't claim that. In fact, I just um, uh, someone wrote me today about um, are the were the Apollo missions faked or not? And absolutely not. There's too many Christians involved in this. They'd all have to be liars. Right. Second of all, we didn't have the technology to fake it. Right. It would have been cheaper to go to the moon than to <laughs> technology to edit videos of that degree. We did not have that technology in 1969. It did not exist. Um, besides that, we now have a satellite that's how it's 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 outside the earth's orbit and it's stuck between the gravity of the moon and the uh, sorry the gravity of the earth and the gravity of the sun it's at what's called a lagrange point it's sitting there balanced between the two gravitational tugs and it's pointing at the earth and it takes a picture of the earth every two hours oh wow so yeah maybe one or two of those pictures earlier on it was a mosaic they took a whole bunch of pictures and they stuck them together (laughs) Um, but now we take another one every two hours now we have year-long videos of the earth spinning mm-hmm. right there we've seen pictures of the lunar eclipse going across the face of the earth we've captured the moon passing between the satellite and the earth <laughs> there goes the moon like they knew it was coming they said hey here comes the moon oh there it is how did they know the moon was coming because all the math works out right we know the mathematics is correct the the earth is free to move about the sun Etc. It's all smile. Okay, one of my favorite new ones. The sun's not always at the same position in the sky. In fact, um, if Jupiter and Saturn, like if the sun is supposed to be here, but Jupiter and Saturn are on this side of the sun, the sun will literally be that far off. It is tugged that way. Huh. If there's Jupiter and Saturn on this side, the sun, instead of being here, the sun will be there. That's about six minutes of difference. So the timing of sunrise and sunset depends upon where Jupiter is in the sky. The the timing of lunar eclipses and solar eclipses depends upon Jupiter and Saturn. It really sounds like um, gravity is the answer. Yes, it is. (laughs) I mean, in fact, the um, Newton's laws of gravity, I'm going to say this because it's true, is the single greatest predictive scientific predictive engine in earth's history in human history that simple idea that the gravitational force between two objects depends upon their masses and their distance can explain everything we see in the heavens including like i'll see 
us nine. Okay, Uranus. They discover Uranus based on the, the, the orbit of Jupiter and Saturn. They say, you know, these aren't quite in the right place. There must be another planet. And so they point their telescopes and say, oh, there's another planet right there. Let's call it Uranus. <laughs> 60 years later, Uranus had only gone around the sun, three quarters of the way around the sun. And they said, wait a minute, Uranus is not in the right place. It, it's, but, you know, after we factor in the effect of Jupiter and the effect of Saturn, you're, there's another planet. And so this guy writes a letter to the Berlin Observatory, said, there should be another planet. Point your telescope over here. That night, they discovered Neptune. Oh, wow. They used an invisible planet to find another invisible planet using nothing but Newton's laws. Yeah. I mean, it's the single greatest predictive engine in world history. Wow. There's nothing contradicting it. Therefore, the earth is not flat and the, the earth really does go around the sun. Yeah. Yeah, because that's one of the other claims that they have is that gravity is gravity is uh, is not real, too. I saw that somewhere that they were they were trying to refute what you were just saying, that uh, that gravity is most predict. Uh, they were saying that gravity was a was a was a myth. Of course. And yet we landed a probe on a comet. Yeah, <laughs> which meant we need to know the gravitational attraction between the comet right. and the crew, things like that. And it worked. We got there. Um, they have to say gravity is a myth because, um, because if, if the earth is flat, uh, gravity makes no sense. Yeah. If the earth is the center of the universe, uh, gravity makes no sense. Yeah. But then why are we stuck to the ground? <laughs> maybe, maybe everything, maybe the earth is, is accelerating upwards at 9.8 meters per second squared. But that means that the earth starting from rest would be traveling faster than the speed of light before the earth, the year, earth even a year old. Mm. And right now we'd be traveling uh, more than 6,000 times the speed of light. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, maybe everything's falling, well, but everything's falling to what? To gravity or to, you know, yeah. maybe falling. why would we fall? So gravity has to work. In fact, right. um, we, we can measure gravity. Gravity was measured a long time ago. Um, I should remember the guy's name. I forget it for a second because my brain doesn't hold every fact in at the same time. Um, <laughs> He had two massive objects on a torsion spring, and he couldn't even be in the same room. So he had a barn out by, by his house, and he had a telescope, and he was looking through a telescope at the thing, and he measured the torsion spring twisting of these two big masses as they're gravitationally attracted to each other. And he said, okay, this is the gravitational force. And from that measurement, everything else has worked out beautifully. Wow. There's no controversy here. There's no contradiction here. Yeah. There's no secret sauce or, or you know, uh, um, a conspiratorial <laughs> attempt to paper over because anyone could do this experiment. Yeah. Anyone in the world can test these things. It's, it's easy. <laughs> Therefore, it can't be some other answer. Yeah. Et cetera. Okay. That is awesome. That is awesome. So, okay. So wrapping this up in a, in a big red bow, um, uh, people can contact CMI and get any of your speakers to come out uh, to the churches and Just go to uh, creation.com. Yep. Creation.com. There's a ton of resources on creation.com. You need to check that out. It has, uh, there's, there's questions, there's answers. Uh, you guys deal with, uh, everything. You have another video that, um, alien invasion. Is that, that's a alien that's intrusion intrusion. Yeah, that's it. Hey, I'm sorry. Alien intrusion. Um, that, that so. was our third major movie that we made. <clears throat> and the first time we put a major, uh, put one of our movies in the theaters, we were in 730 or 740 theaters. Wow. Around the country, just just a couple of weeks ago, 
And this month, February, we will be um, at various theaters in Australia and in Europe. Oh, wow. Depending on which fan base we have and who pulled together to get a, uh, a movie into their, into their local theaters. Very good. Very and, good. Yep. So uh, you guys deal with pretty much everything when it comes to, to these topics and questions that people would have or arguments that people would have. Um, and you do it uh, with a great biblical perspective in mind. And I really appreciate that. And, and the alien question needs to be answered biblically. Mm-hmm. I mean, Christian, you need an answer. I mean, what, what is it? Are there aliens out there? Are they visiting us? Are people being abducted? Are we alone in the universe? What's the biblical answer? That's an important question. Mm. There are answers to that, and that's why we made our movie. We also have some books on the subject, some DVDs on the subject, and some articles on creation.com. Yeah, very good, very good. Well, Dr. Robert, I really appreciate you coming on and being a part of the podcast. Thank you so much for you're uh, what you're doing for the Lord, for the for the kingdom. Uh, it is an extremely important uh, ministry uh, to get out and let people know to be able to answer these questions, to not be ignorant of these things, because uh, it, it is important. There are people that have those questions I want to know, and they use that as a springboard to uh, to reject the gospel. So I, I really appreciate what CMI is doing, what you're doing uh, specifically. Thank you again for coming on. Any final words before we go? Um, be strong, Christian. Go and find answers. Don't be satisfied with a half answer or an answer to conflicts with the scripture. Beat your head against that wall until either the wall breaks or you realize that you're beating your head against the wrong wall. Keep studying. Keep working. Keep searching. The answers are there. All right. Very good. Thank you so much. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. All, All right. right. Jeff, for doing that interview, man. That Yeah. Thank you so much, man. And uh, it was I'd like fun. to thank our guest to come, who came on. And uh, Dr. Man, Robert I, Carter, man, Dr. super, Carter. super intelligent, super nice guy. And my, and, and one of my new favorite people for making the, uh, the princess bride reference. That was, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so j- just briefly, just briefly, I, I, I talked about this on Sunday night at my church. Okay. Um, and I just wanted to, I wanted to say something about it because okay. it's something that I think is really important. Okay. And we're, so we're going to piggyback off of some stuff. Okay. But one of the things that I think is really detrimental to the church is when the church synch- has syncretism with science. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then you have this theistic evolution, right? This mm-hmm. belief in creationism with evolution and that God yep. used evolutionary processes. And man, I, I think that's so dangerous, so dangerous. Yeah. There are so many things that, that are wrong with that and, and hurt the church. Yeah. And, and one of the points that, that I think is really important bringing out always, ever, forever, forever, forever. If Genesis 1 through 11 is myth, where do you stop? Like, like exactly. at what point yeah. do you stop saying, okay, this isn't a myth. This isn't yeah. a myth. Like, like there's no safeguard. Once that safeguard is removed, every, the, the entire hermeneutic falls apart. Right. Right. And, well, and, and it's like, uh, Dr. Carter said in the interview there that, um, you know, the, the science behind theistic evolution doesn't hold up just as well as it doesn't hold up with evolution. So basically what you're, you're doing is you're marrying the truth with something that is, is full of holes and error and yeah. making in trying to make, 
you know, trying to make it fit together. And it's not, uh, it, it doesn't work that way. Um, it's a way that the church for, for many years has tried to uh, reconcile the two because they don't understand the science that's behind um, uh, creation. And they don't yeah. they don't understand the science that they're being taught about evolution. They don't understand the the theories and the and the processes behind it. They don't understand all the way down to the to the very core and essence of our DNA. None of those things. They're just being fed information, and we're told that we have to accept it or be on the on the wrong side. You know, where you either accept evolution or you're wrong. Um, even to the point where I heard a. Um, I heard a, a, a prominent preacher who was on the radio who, who before this point, I really, you know, I would have taken anything that he said because he was an old guy. He's been dead for, he's been dead since the eighties, you know, was one of those guys, um, uh, still has a great ministry, but he, he made a mention one time that, you know, well, the earth must be millions of years old then because, you know, the science says it and they can prove it. So we must, you know, kind of back up and that's the wrong way to think about it because you're, 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 you're planning your belief and your uh, interpretation of the word of God based on what somebody says that they can prove when they're in fact, they're not really using all of the, uh, all of the resources and tools. And they're, they're coming at it actually from a more biased standpoint than, um, uh, than the many creation scientists uh, will. So yeah. it's, it's book of Proverbs, right? Yep. Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Own understanding. Yep. And Absolutely. All your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Yeah. I mean, so, that's, to me, that's the essence. Yeah. So if anybody's interested in having uh, any of those guys, Dr. Carter or uh, any uh, uh, doctor uh, that I can, I'm not even gonna try to pronounce some of the names, but, uh, but some of these guys that uh, are part of this book, um, they will come out to your church and they will speak and I'm, it's free. They just, they come to do it, to come to educate uh, your people. Uh, they come to uh, let them know um, great, great resources. They, uh, they ever, they actually cover things like aliens, you know, the, the alien question, are there aliens? And he said, because it's, it's important for, it's important for Christians to know, you know, they have those questions because, you know, people come up and so, is that something that's biblical? Is it something that's possible? Is it something that is scientific? You know, so they cover all of that stuff and it's really, really good. Uh, good flat, flat earthers too, huh? Flat earthers. Did you see, oh, you didn't see his reaction when, uh, when he said, when I said flat earth, he just kind of hung his head. He's like, <laughs> yeah, those guys are crazy. It's, it's insane. They, they, they genuinely believe that the earth is flat and we live in this, we live basically in a snow globe, one of those little flat snow globes and, uh, that everything, all outer space is a lie. Um, the earth just circles around like this. It's, it's insane. I, and, and how because the King James Bible says <clears throat> the four corners. Yes. That's one of the arguments, believe it or not. Four that is, corners of that the is, world. that is, that is one of the arguments. Absolutely. So yeah, it's, it's insane. It's absolutely, it's absolutely insane. And, uh, and, and funny thing is, is my wife sent me a post that one of the flat earth society people said, and it said, Flat earthers, ha uh, there are flat earthers all over the globe. <laughs> no, no, they didn't. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Yes. There are flat earthers all over the globe. Well, 
You might want to read that one again there, Slick. Um, <laughs> wah, wah, wah. But yes. One of, the, one of them saw it went, oh, we got we to fire the intern. Delete. Delete. Stupid yeah. interns. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's a, that is a, that is a funny discussion, but that, I mean, it's, it, and you think it's funny. You think there might be just a handful of people, the, the, the guy who claims to be a Christian, who's a flat earther, because there's an atheist side and a Christian side, basically the guy who claims to be a Christian has 120,000 YouTube followers. Yeah. That's yeah. insane. It's ab- it's insane and, and it's 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 crazy. It's a um, it's a misappropriation of the word of God. It's a misappropriation of science and and it's it's really conspiracy theory and um, and and, ins- and insanity and that's uh, that's crazy. And it but takes I, away from Christ, right? It I does. Mean, that's ultimate. That's the ultimate reason we should we should be very leery of these things. Right. It takes away from the gospel and from Christ. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Because they spend all of their time. Now, granted, if somebody believes in a flat earth, to be honest with you, that really doesn't affect me very much. Right. But when they sit there and they talk about it over and over and over Mm. again, then that's the problem because you can believe in something stupid. Yeah. But still make the main thing the main thing. Because I believe in stupid things like – you know, like someday Wyoming will win the national championship in, in college football. Yeah, that That's is a dumb. Pipe dream. That's yeah. dumb. <laughs> well, but the problem is, is that they have made that the main course. They've made that the the focus of of what they said, and and uh, to the point of some of them saying that you know, if you really want to share the gospel, you'll tell them about a flat Earth. No. Which, go, which goes back all the way to all what we the way back to what we started with. Yep, absolutely. Yep. yep. Keep the gospel simple. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. You can believe dumb things, but but the gospel we got to be clear on. Yep, um, absolutely, absolutely. Believe what the Bible says. So, anyways, thank you so much for watching. And yes. Some of you are listening. Some of you are watching and listening. Some of you are listening and will watch later. Some, that's right. And some of you are just put us on mute and you just like us. Just watch, just just like, watch our heads bob back and forth. Yeah. You like the hand motions. <laughs> Wait a minute. Do that again. Do that again. No, no, the hand motion, the bouncy hand motion thing. I don't know like what the, I did. You're like the Numa Numa guy. You're like, you're the Numa Numa. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> My. <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh that's too good videos have this video podcast that we're doing now yeah this has opened up a whole brand new set of fun things that we could do now jeff and yeah may, maybe maybe one of these days i will challenge you to a lip sync battle <sighs> i've i've been part of a couple I won, but they gave it to the, it was, it was, it was a crowd control thing. Like, yeah. you know, it was like battle of the band right. and they, they gave I it know. to the other people. Even the I think mind. there's video of that on, uh, somewhere. There on, is. Uh, was it video. And I was doing, YouTube. and I was doing, uh, um, you can't handle this by, uh, Oh, what's that band? It's that ska band. Um, they sing dandelions. Oh my, I can't believe I forgot. I got to look this up. Oh man. Let's see, who is it? Uh, Five Iron Frenzy. Oh, Five Iron Frenzy. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can't handle this. 
And then I did Andy Minio's Desperados with the gunshots. Yeah. Awesome. But anyways, thank you so much for watching, listening, looking, whatever you're doing, whatever platform, <laughs> whatever platform you are, you are engaging with us. We're just glad you're thank doing you. it. Yes. We thank you so much. We thank you so much that there's more than just our mothers watching us. <laughs> Love you, mom. Love you. My mom listens. She's an avid listener. She, she gives me critiques. I, they're, they're, Are they most of them for me? Uh, yeah. Tell, tell Jeff. Tell Jeff. Tell Jeff. Tell Jeff. No, she likes it. She likes it. We've had a couple guests that she goes, don't have them on again. Oh. That's what she said. Don't have them on again. <laughs> yes, mom. Yes, mom. Yes, yes, mom. Remember, Jesus loves exposition. We want you. That's what we're about. We're about philosophy of ministry. Uh, we're we're about exposition. We're about biblical philosophy of ministry. We we could care less about the topical Joes out there and the Stephen Furtick's and the Rick Warrens and just leave those jokers behind. Yeah. Find an expositor, yep. hug an expositor, listen to expository preaching, yep. biblical philosophy of ministry, yep. and uh, check out our Facebook, check out our Twitter. Uh, did some work on Twitter today, so have a couple Twitter things coming out. Go ahead, Jeff. And if you know of a good expositor, if you have a good expositor that you go to and that you listen to, you got some videos or you got some audio or something, send us a link. Put it, put a link in the comments below. We're going to be doing a segment on uh, on good local expositors as well as, as good famous expositors because right. we want to champion those guys. We That's want right. We want people to know that they're out there, that it's not just a fringe thing, that people do exposit the word of God and that those guys need to be lifted up before Christ. So That's send right. us a link. Let us hear them. Let us, uh, let us put them on the podcast and, and, uh, tell the world that, uh, uh, you know, that they're out there doing, doing the work for Christ. So, uh, That's right. Since that. That's right. We, yeah, we, we are, we are in a very, we, we are in a battle that looks like it's losing, but I know there's expositors out there Yep. and it is very lonely being an expositor. Yeah. And so that's right. We want to highlight that. So thank you so much for listening. Leave, leave a review. Yes. Say something to us. Win the free book and DVD yes. on the Achilles heels of evolution. <laughs> Evolution's Achilles heels. <laughs> Achille, no, I'm sorry. I pronounced that. Achilles. Achilles. Achilles heels. Achilles heels. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, always, always remember that Jesus loves exposition. And we are out. Thanks for listening to the Emmaus Project podcast. You can find more information on Facebook, Twitter. Uh, we also have a blog, the Emmaus Project blog. Be sure to check that out. Emails at the Emmaus Project podcast at gmail.com and thank listening to the Amaze Project podcast.